Teammates, welcome to the Journeys Through Leadership podcast. Leadership is a journey. It has no end, but it starts somewhere. And we will explore the events that shape our members during their journey through leadership. Hello again, teammates, and welcome to Episode 8 of the JTL podcast. I am your host, Chief Master Sergeant Denny Richardson, New York State Command Chief, And in this episode, we will continue our New York Air National Guard outreach around the state. And I'm happy to have with us today a member from the 109th Airlift Wing and currently assigned to Joint Forces Headquarters in Latham, New York. Please join me in welcoming Senior Airman Caleb Lapinell. Welcome, Airman Lapinell, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Command Chief. Glad to be here. All right. So uh, are you ready uh, to kick this off? Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's get started. So uh, let's get to know you um, a little bit better. Uh, Remove the rank. Uh, Who is Caleb Lappinell? So I'm the second oldest sibling of four. I have an older sister, Emily, uh, and it's myself, a younger sister, Aiden, and a youngest brother, Cole. Uh, And we grew up in a very small town uh, in western New York, uh, about an hour and a half from headquarters. Uh, and there was one gas station and 20 people in my graduating class. So a very, very small town, um, and a lot of close relationships were built there. Uh, in terms of hobbies, I really like hiking. I play basketball. I actually play on a team organized at the 109th when, when COVID's not around. Uh, and I like reading, uh, by nature, I'm a very competitive person, but I would like to think that I know when it's appropriate and when it's not, and can kind of turn it on and off. <laughs> um, I like helping people, and I have a pet peeve. I think unfairness and unjust things are kind of like a pet peeve of mine that just bother me kind of an irrational amount. Hmm. But I think that that sums up who I am pretty well. All right. Thank you for that introduction. So <laughs> a graduating class of 20 people? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess you knew everyone by first name? Oh, yeah. And first you, and name, you, middle name, last name, everything. And you, and you couldn't get in trouble? No, sir. Yeah, no. <laughs> All the teachers were, were parents of the students, and I was best friends with that kid. And then, yeah, it was just a, a lot of leeway given, probably. Wow. Something to be said for growing up in a small-town America. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. Greatly appreciate it. So, so let's talk a little bit about your career path and uh, what made you decide to join the Air National Guard. So I, I guess my answer for that would really begin in high school, actually. I, uh, in high school, I, I prioritized athletics kind of over academics. There was no one really that pushed me um, to get myself in line academically. And it, it, that led to, in college, I really struggled with motiv- motivating myself and, and finding a reason to do well academically. I didn't really apply myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, I was kind of spinning my wheels and wasting a lot of money to get C's and D's and F's in classes. And uh, I think I did some reflecting the summer after my first year um, and realized that the the main reason for this was because I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. I didn't have a direction in life. I wasn't shooting towards a a goal. Um, And so I sought out to uh, fix that situation I was in and I went to talk to an active duty recruiter um, for the Air Force and took my ASVAB. Uh, and then I heard through a friend of a friend about the Air National Guard, thank God. 
And um, <laughs> I talked to a, a guard recruiter, and I guess uh, the rest is kind of history. I think I ended up here, and then I've been very fortunate and very lucky um, and been surrounded by a lot of really good supervisors and commanders who have uh, gotten me and uh, gotten my foot in the door for various opportunities, working at headquarters in HRO to begin with um, after tech school, and then uh, did some full-time orders at the 109th. And now, again, I'm back at headquarters working with MNAF. Really good group of people there as well. Wow, thank you for that. I greatly appreciate it. So you talked about your passion was athletics, and then you made the switch to it being more of academic uh, where yes, you actually started to be a little more focused and a little more goal-oriented, you know, towards uh, your academic path, uh, you know. So what made that change for you? I think it was, honestly, I think it was uh, seeing my first uh, student loan. <laughs> so we didn't have a, a ton of money growing up and probably not enough for me to go, uh, at least without any scholarships, which I didn't have. Um, to any, any school. So I ended up commuting to SUNY Cobleskill uh, for my first year. I played soccer there, which was great, and I met a lot of great people. But, uh, yeah, that first student loan hits a little <laughs> differently. So, <laughs> Shock. Yes, <laughs> you could say that. Oh, man, yep, I guess so. Those dollar signs uh, will, will make anybody adjust because you know, yeah. it is not cheap uh, mm-hmm. for an education nowadays. Um, um, so thank you for sharing that. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, so what is your current career field? Um, in the Air National Guard, and uh, what are the benefits, or why do you like being in that career field? So I, I'm a 1-0, which is a all-source intelligence analyst. Um, and I think this, the trainings associated with this uh, career progression and, and what's available to you in this career field um, really make it give you great opportunities to learn skills that are going to, to assist you as you move through the, length, through the ranks, uh, like briefing is is a huge thing. I mean, you see commanders and senior enlisted uh, members briefing, doing briefings all the time, really. Um, and this is something in Intel that you begin very early on. I mean, as soon as the first day of tech school, I think you're doing you're doing some briefings. So um, those skills, I mean, obviously transferable to so many different things: civilian mm-hmm. side, military side. Uh, great things that I'm very grateful for. Um, and then the other big thing that uh, I really appreciate about being an Intel analyst is um, these trainings provide analysts the ability to identify their biases um, and then counteract them. And that that is kind of twofold. So your own biases, um, you can identify your own biases and counteract them. Um, and then biases in in from other sources, uh, like news media. I mean, I think you probably know as well as I that there aren't really any unbiased news <laughs> outlets mm-hmm. um and and the the trainings that you get in intel school really uh allow you to i guess bounce stories off each other mm-hmm. and figure out what the objective truth is to a story um and not getting sucked into any uh political leanings either side right so wow <clears throat> yeah you're absolutely right the uh <laughs> there is a, a lot out there in the news i mean uh, we have to be able to uh trust the information, but also verify, you know, the source that is coming from that is actually uh, correct information. Right. Uh, so um, there's, a, um, there's a news channel called News Mix, 
uh, on uh, DirecTV that I watch all the time. And uh, the news mix, it has, it's like a quad uh, box. And it has uh, CNN, Fox, uh, CNBC, and BBC. Um, and I find myself watching and drawn to you know, uh, the news mix channel just to see how each news media outlet reports information you know, differently. Right. Uh, you know, so but then you have to be able to educate yourself on, you know, what's the truth, you know, or what's live and what's Memorex. Um, you know, so, you know, as we go around and as we as we speak on things and we talk about topics like these, you know, I always like to say is that you have to be able to inform yourself uh, so that you can speak with intelligence and rather than than ignorance. Um, so. And you've been at a very young age in your career. But how old are you? Okay. Uh, 23. 23 years old. So, and you already know, uh, you know, so much in your young career, especially about how to actually uh, decipher information that, that you receive. Um, you know, that's, that's very impressive. So um, hats off to you. Um, you know, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what um, all the folks at Intel do and in, uh, in keeping us informed um, and keeping us safe as well. So that's greatly appreciated. Thank you, Command Chief. All right. So let's talk about your biggest achievement or experience at this point in your very young career. <laughs> so I think that's got to be a pretty pretty easy answer there. It's got to be Brazilian Jungle Warfare School. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> So the Brazilian Jungle Warfare course is a seven-week course held in Manaus, Brazil. It's a remote town just outside the Brazilian rainforest. Um, and uh, it's an international course, so there are members from, uh, army members from Paraguay, Indonesia, Spain, Egypt. The first phase of this course is survival in the jungle. So they teach you, it's similar to SEER, so they teach you what types of jungle, foods, plants, animals, you can trap, catch, eat, all that sort of thing, um, as well as like adapting to the course requirements. Um, and phase two is special techniques, so that's where you do the majority of the, the shooting. Um, it's where we uh, rappelled out of helicopters and jumped into the Amazon and did all our, did all our uh, water infiltrations and exfiltrations and kind of learned all the special techniques that we would need for phase three, which is the patrols phase. Um, and phase three is where you put everything you've learned throughout the whole course into action um, and you conduct the patrols. And because it is an advanced infantry school and a leadership, leadership school uh, in phase three, they give you the opportunity to lead your own patrol. So you, I was lucky enough to be the platoon commander for, uh, which the platoon is about 30 soldiers. Um, and I was lucky enough to be the platoon commander for an ambush patrol in phase three, hmm. um, with, which went off without a hitch. And uh, <laughs> I was able to uh, come away with outstanding student um, the year that I was there. So wow. really great course overall. Wow. 23 years of age and you're leading platoons in the Amazon. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's snakes out there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we... Uh, we ran into lots of snakes, and actually during phase one, there's a survival exercise where just the whole class goes out into the woods, or not, into the jungle, and uh, survives. You have your machete and one rifle that you can use to shoot any, like, wild boars or jaguars that try to come and uh, kill you, but you're not allowed to expend any rounds otherwise. Um, 
so really just your machete. Um, and it was it ended up being about three and a half days um, just in the jungle with just the machete. Um, and we were lucky enough, actually, the Indonesian uh, army guy, the army soldier, was able to find a, uh, a snake. So we, we ate one snake oh. and <laughs> ran into a lot of other ones. But. Oh, man. No, you can count me out. Right <laughs> no, no, It was actually delicious. It was? Yeah, it yeah. tasted just like chicken. <laughs> Boiled chicken. Snakes and I do not get along. <laughs> you know, I run from a little gardener snake. <laughs> yes. yes, sir. <laughs> so, wow. So, so for the listeners out there, um, the Brazil Jungle Warfare uh, training came about because of our state partnership program that the Guard has with our allied nations. Um, and in New York, uh, we have two state partner partnership programs, uh, one with Brazil um, and the other one with uh, South Africa. Um, so we, we go about developing uh, relationships uh, with our allied partners. From that, that's how Airman Lapinow was able to attend uh, the Brazil uh, Jungle War, Warfare course. Um, and I do believe you were the first Air Force person to actually complete the course? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, the first U.S. Air Force US person. Air Force. So there, yeah. there's paratroopers from other countries, Air Forces that, that have completed in the past, but first U.S. Air Force person, uh, to my knowledge wow. and to their knowledge, <laughs> down in SIGS. So. Yeah, and you were doing so well over there. At one point, um, one of the instructors over there actually uh, sent the email back asking, are you sure this person's in the Air Force? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that, that, that's phenomenal. So so what about some uh, challenges uh, from that uh, Brazil course? What is one of the toughest challenges you faced, the biggest rewards and lessons learned? Yes, sir. So um, I think the whole, the whole course it was kind of a challenge. I mean, it's designed to be a very challenging course. Um, I, luckily, I had prepared uh, prepared myself physically and mentally before I got down there, um, which was a huge part of it and um, something I was glad that I did when I was there. Um, so really, the whole course was a challenge in itself. Um, and then there were obviously peaks uh, inside the course. Uh, at one point, we had to carry uh, a litter with a just like a log body, I guess, hmm. on there. Um, and... Uh, thing was probably like I don't know, I don't even know how to guess but we had 10 people uh carrying this all through the jungle up and down ravines and through creeks and streams and wow. uh I think one of the one of the soldiers fell right into like uh like face first into this thorny bush cuz everything there has thorns of course <laughs> um and another person got smacked with the butt of a rifle and it was just it was a mess um <laughs> and I think that was one of the more challenging things and one of the more rewarding things because it was so challenging. In terms of lessons learned, I think one of the foremost uh, tenets that I was able to uh, keep in mind and allowed me to be successful and be recognized as one of the outstanding students um, was something that I've seen the Air Force as a whole push for uh, more education on recently, and that's emotional intelligence. Uh, so emotional intelligence consists of self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. And I think empathy is, is probably one of the, the bigger mm. um, tenets of emotional intelligence and something that I was able to utilize to be successful down the course. Um, so I, the majority of people who were at the course um, had prepared mentally and physically. What they hadn't prepared for as much and something that's kind of difficult to prepare for um, was 
the relationships um, between the soldiers there in a very high-stress environment. And being empathetic and understanding other people's point of views in uh, a high-stress environment, environment with people um, that have very different cultural beliefs than yourself uh, is, is huge. I mean, there were a lot of people who came close to fights, um, and I think that was probably the most difficult part of the of the course was just dealing with those relationships. And uh, it was emotional intelligence in my training from the Air Force on emotional intelligence that uh, really allowed me to be successful there. Wow, that, that's outstanding, man. Thank you for that. So it sounds like to me that they, they push you to your limits of physical fatigue and, and mental fatigue, and then they throw scenarios at you and say, now go lead. Yes, sir. Yep, that's exactly it. Wow, that's outstanding. And you did very well, very well. So, um, you know, um, us, we're the leadership here. Uh, couldn't be more proud of, uh, you know, what you were able to accomplish um, going down there and being the first U.S. Air Force, not just Air National Guard, the first U.S. Air Force member to actually complete that course. And um, that says a lot about you and, and who you are and your, your toughness you know, as a person. So, and I think I said this to you before, yeah, you have that ability of being comfortable with being uncomfortable while being uncomfortable. So, uh, so that's outstanding. Yes, sir. And I, I was thinking about that, that quote. I've heard you say that before, yeah. definitely, before I even went for the course. Yeah. Uh, I've heard you say that. And that's all I was thinking about when I was down there <laughs> with my wet boots the whole day, just right. soaking wet, all dirty. <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh, Chief Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, man. If, I'm, if I ever got to go out in the jungle, I'm taking you with me. <laughs> All right. So what do you like most about being in the military, and how do you stay motivated to perform at a high level? So I, I really like that the military directly rewards you for hard work and work ethic. Um, it's a pretty direct relationship. I mean... You, you work hard and you're rewarded. And there's various ways through, through medals, achievements, um, awards uh, that you can win. So I really like that aspect in the military. And then I really, I just like the culture. It's something I've always liked. I didn't see myself joining the military, but I've always appreciated the, the military culture. Um, and it's, it's comforting knowing that I'm wearing the same uniform that my grandfather did uh, decades before upon immigrating to the U.S. from Cuba. So, I mean, that's... That's a huge thing, uh, a cultural thing that I take a lot of pride in. Um, and then lastly, and I think most importantly, the, the team or family concept that, the, that all military members share um, and, and kind of all having each other's back. That's something that I really appreciated when I was in athletics um, and it's something I appreciate even more now as I mature in my military career. Um, and then what allows me to stay, stay motivated uh, I, I do have outlets, and, and I'll, I'll take, uh, take time for myself to kind of de-stress. Um, but the, I would say the biggest thing with uh, staying motivated is really relying on my support system and having a strong support system. So I have key people that I'll go to when, I, when I'm not feeling 100% or I'm, I'm lacking motivation, and uh, they'll really remind me of my why, and uh, it'll allow me to keep going. So. Yeah, outstanding. Thank you for that. So, uh, three words that I picked up from there uh, that you uh, mentioned: uh, heritage, family, culture. You know, and that's a strong statement. So, thank you for sharing that. Yes, sir. So, all right. Now, this question here um, is near and dear uh, to my heart um, because we, as leaders, we need to know 
what young folks are thinking and, and what the young members are thinking. Uh, so what do you expect uh, from your leaders? So that's a great question, sir. Um, I, one thing I don't expect, I guess, first is I, I do not expect leaders to, to solve my problems for me. Um, and I think that's, that's a big thing. And, and having that mindset will allow you to become more of a leader yourself. And I, I think that's important to say uh, to start off with. And then the other, the other big thing uh, that I think makes a good leader and allows uh, followers or, or younger airmen to um, kind of s- step up and uh, take on the role of, of leadership is transparency. So I, I do expect and appreciate transparency um, from leadership. And I, I think it allows airmen to grow a lot. Uh, it's something, I mean, my my NCOs and, and commanders thus far have been very transparent, and I've asked tons of questions, and, and they've put up with all of them, and I've learned so much from it. So it's, it's something I'm really grateful for that my leaders thus far have been uh, very transparent. All right. Outstanding. Thank you for that. So what's next for uh, Caleb Lapinel? Um, you know, what does the future hold, or what would you like to accomplish? So I have, I have a couple uh, tangible things I would like to accomplish, as well as uh, just becoming a better leader. Um, the first, U.S. Army Ranger School. I uh, really like the opportunity to make it down there. <laughs> uh, I've recently heard that Airborne School is a possibility um, for, for Air National Guard members, so if, if I could swing that, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then beyond that, um, beyond just things that I, that I want to do, I, I have set a goal for myself to commission, so I'm working to get my uh, bachelor, bachelor's degree right now. Um, and that would most likely be out of Intel just to get a different perspective. Um, not that I don't appreciate Intel, but, um, I would like to be either a pilot or a TACP officer or combat rescue officer, something like that. Um, and then from there, um, on the civilian side as a DSG, at some point I would like to, uh, go to law school. So that's a way down the line goal, but (laughs) it's there. Wow. You have it all planned out. Uh, generally, <laughs> conceptualized. Oh, yeah, that's awesome that uh, you want to continue uh, to challenge yourself um, and make yourself better. And um, you know that is something that we um, that we definitely need. We need members to you know step outside their comfort zone and challenge themselves uh, more. Um, not only making themselves better, because when you make yourself, when you invest in yourself and you make yourself better, you're making the entire organization and everyone else around you better. Um, so hats off to you for that, young man. And commissioning, yes. I always say that some of the, the best officers uh, were enlisted first. All right. We're almost to the end here. <laughs> you, know, you made it. You good? Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> so let's um, closing comments. Uh, what closing thoughts or message uh, would you like to leave with our listeners today? So I, I think the Air Force has uh, a problem that it's done a a good job of addressing, um, but I think it'll always be a problem. Um, And mental health, um, and I guess the airman who feels like he has no one to talk to, um, I think if anyone is feeling that way, um, you can can find me anywhere uh, on Global, or if you're a civilian, uh, I'm available for that too. Uh, Caleb Lapinel is the only one in the world as far as I know. So (laughs) you can find me on social media, uh, anywhere you can find me, please reach out if you're feeling that way. Um, and 
other than that, I just want to say thank you to the people who got me here. So Colonel Marrero, Master Sergeant Haig from Intel, Senior Master Sergeant Kane was, I mean, huge. He's still huge in my career and just an amazing mentor uh, who works at headquarters in HRO. Uh, Colonel Geis, Chief Sweet McNeil, Master Sergeant Lane, uh, General Barge, and yourself have all been amazing mentors for me. Um, I, I'm really appreciative, uh, and I really couldn't have done it without them. So thank you all. And uh, I think that's all I had for closing comments. All right. Well, strong closing comments uh, to start <laughs> off with uh, mental health, because you're right, mental health um, is a problem and it is an issue. Um, that, you know, and you heard it from, uh, from Airman Lapinel. Um, and, you know, you can reach out uh, to anyone. If you're going through something, if you're struggling, you know, don't worry about, um, you, you know, your career. Don't worry about all these other small things. Just reach out to someone. Uh, you know, there is a common misconception out there that if you expose yourself with having mental health issues, uh, that it is a career ender. And that is so far from the truth. More than 90% of the members that come forward with mental health issues are returned back to duty. The bottom line is, just like Airman Lapinel just spoke about, if you need help, reach out. You don't have to go through this alone. And to the supervisors out there, it's extremely important to continue to create and have those connections with your members so that you can know those signs that a member is struggling. Connection is the key. So thank you for bringing that to the forefront, young man. Greatly appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Well, teamies, that's it for episode eight. Amaral Appenell, I thank you for the conversation today and your willingness to share your story. You represented not only the New York Air National Guard, but the entire Air National Guard and Air Force enterprise very well by completing the grueling Brazil Jungle Training Course. I am inspired by your message, your strength, tenacity, and mental toughness. Folks, this is leadership and talent at its finest right here. Much respect to you. Thank you, Chief. And uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me the platform. I, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure and honor. Teammates, another successful recording session complete. As always, a shout out to the one on life airlift wing public affairs section, especially the person behind the scenes and keeping us organized and on point, Mrs. Jackie Lyons. Thank you very much. Until the next JTO episode, I leave you with this. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's how we grow and shape leaders that are relevant for today, but required for tomorrow. Until the next time, keep aiming high, teammates. Chief out. <laughs>